Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. Thank you, TJ, and welcome to church. Today's the day if you can actually get here, you're the big winner. But uh, so good to see you guys. We had, uh, we, we, it's, it's always fun on Cowtown Marathon Day because you never know. And each year it's a little bit different, and sometimes it works out great because it's all cleared out before the church time, and they, they, they messed with us. We, we checked, we, there's now an interactive map that you can go to and, and check it all out. We're like, oh, we're going to be fine after 9 a.m., no problem at all, and the traffic is still backed up. But I want to welcome you guys, and so glad that you're here today. Uh, welcome to those of you who are online. I do realize we had a little bit of a glitch earlier this morning with our live stream, but we're all up and running right now, and I can't wait to get into God's Word. Hey, just want to remind you, on Wednesdays at noon, I'm doing Tim at 12, and right now I'm answering the question, what happens when we die? The last time I talked about hell, and I, I dealt with this question right here, I dealt with the, the issue right here, and this is a statement I'm going to make, and if you didn't catch that, you wouldn't understand this statement, but I'll just tell, tell you what it is. When a, when a person dies who's a sinner, they're, they're not in relationship with God, they're not a Christian, when they die, they don't go straight to hell. Did you know that? A lot of people didn't know that, or most people don't know that. I, I talked about that last time. The, this week, I'm going to talk about what happens with believers when they, uh, when they die, where eternity is. So uh, you, you need to tune into that. So that's every, every Wednesday at noon, plus you can catch those up on uh, YouTube and Facebook and all the other places where we put our stuff. But I want you to get in your Bibles to two locations today, Judges chapter 7, verse 9. Judges 7, 9, and Psalm 3. We're going to hit Judges 7, 9 first. And then when we jump, when we, when we leave Judges, don't like forget about it because we're going to come back to Judges. We're going to be reading through quite a, a lengthy passage there today. While you're looking that up, I've got to let you know something's coming up that's very different. We're doing something brand new. And it's coming up on, on Sunday the 20th at 6 p.m. It's a Sunday evening at 6 p.m. And we've been talking about this for a, several months, about having a service that is, that is really heavy presence of God oriented in, in a different way. And, and this is going to be, uh, we're, we're just going to ask people to set aside a couple hours, try to come a few minutes early, you're going to leave the chatter out there in the foyer, and, and we're just going to come in here and soak in God's presence. It'll be a time of, it, the, the atmosphere we're really looking to create to allow God to do what He wants to do is a very intimate atmosphere uh, with minimal distractions. In fact, we're going to encourage people, leave your watches and your phones in your car, and if you don't want to do that, we're even working on having a lockbox set up so you can check your stuff in and, and, and set it up there. So, so no phones, no, uh, no watches. This, this won't be live streamed or anything like that. But it's, uh, it's, it's just about diving into God's presence. So there's going to be, there's going to be worship, worship. There's going to be preaching. There's going to be time of ministry. There's going to be prayer time. And we're also encouraging uh, families with children. It's okay to bring your children. We won't have organized child care that night. And that's on purpose. Now, we will have a nursery open or mother's room open if you need to take a child back there, but that's on purpose. And I'll tell you why. It's because 
The United States of America is really the only place where we separate the children out when it comes to, to church. And I don't have a problem with children's ministry. I used to be a children's pastor myself. But there's something about children being with the, the church family in the presence of God. Because some of my most powerful memories of church as a child were twofold. One, because my mom sat on the front row because my dad was a pastor. My mom was sitting on the front row. One was my mom pinching me when I acted up because I was acting up all the time in church. And so I remember just getting the little pinches and, and getting walked out a few times, swatted and brought back in. It did me a lot of good. I'm, I'm better in church now. I try. But, uh, but the other thing that I remember about church is I remember various times where I could just feel the presence of God. And I'm talking when I'm three, four, five, six, seven years old and experienced that. And, and those were the times that drew me close to the Lord. I accepted Christ at the age of three, but it was because I sat in services like that. And I said, I told my dad, dad, I want that. I want that. So it, uh, you bring stuff for your kids to do. Bring a backpack full of things for them to do, whatever. If they sit on the floor and do it, but it, it's going to be a very different atmosphere. So I'm really looking forward to that coming up. Okay, mark it on your calendars. Sunday, March 20th. Put it in now. Sunday, March 20th at 6 p.m. And I want you to be here, okay? Hey, well, the title of my, day, my message today is Get Up. Get Up. Get Up. That's what I had to do this morning. My alarm went off, and I told myself I have to get up. And it's kind of funny because I thought, oh, that's my sermon title. I was, yeah, I was, I was in on that early before you guys were. But here's the question. Are you, are you tired of being a victim? Are you tired of being robbed and just like seems like every area of your life? Do you want to be encouraged to take out some of the, like the, just the enemies, the, 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 let's, just, let's just call them the wolves and the ravens that are attacking your life? trying to destroy you? Well, if that's you, and if you're under a strobe light right now, then you're the, the extra special. I don't know why you're under a strobe light, but uh, that, 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 was, that was very interesting there. But, uh, but I want you just to, to understand this. I want you to get up and understand this is that, is that it's time to occupy, time to get up, get on your feet. And, uh, and we're going to be dealing with that, that today from the story of Gideon. Now, I'm in a... Uh, the series of messages, this is the last message in this series, but the series of messages has been called the Occupy Spirit, the Occupy Spirit. And, and Occupy is our theme word for this year from 2022, and I'm challenging every single person to get this Occupy Spirit in your life so that you can soar forward because you were meant for this moment, you were born for this moment, and there's purpose for your life. And... Uh, the, 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 what we have to remember is that Jesus left us as believers in charge of this world. And we are to be, we're not only containers of the glory of God, but we're supposed to be dispensers of God wherever we go. And, 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 and so we're to do this. We're, Jesus said we are to occupy until I come. So that is, that's what we're supposed to do, occupy until Jesus comes. And I have a working definition for occupy for this year, and here it is. It is to do business and grow the investment God gave you. Work until Jesus returns. And in fact, you will be rewarded in eternity based upon how you occupied to the degree you occupied while you were in this, in this life. Uh, that, that means to the degree that you did business for God while you were here, how you grew the investment of what God gave you. And, and that, those are the things that God calls us to do, to occupy. So again, in this series, we're looking at a, uh, at a man in the Bible. He's one of the judges of Israel. His name is Gideon. And 
from this story, we learned really a lot of uh, encouragement on how to have this Occupy spirit that I'm talking about. So I want to give you a little bit of a recap if you've, been missing, if you've missed any of these messages, just so that you can also catch up on the story. See, uh, it all started in Judges chapter number 6, and we uh, preached through all that. Uh, Israel was under this incredible oppression from the nation of Midian, uh, Midia, and, and they were, the Midianites were coming and they were stealing their crops. They'd come in once a year, do a big sweep of all the crops, and basically leave the people to starve. But God visited Gideon. God visited him, and God gave him a plan to get free from these attacks from the enemy. Now, now Gideon was the most unlikely candidate by far. So what God did is God assigned him a new identity. And God said, you know, you are, you're the one who's going to be, be victorious. I'm going to put my spirit on you, and you're going to go, and you're going to save Israel out of Midian's hand. And... Uh, he said, okay. So he went out and he started tearing down idols. The people in town got angry with him because he did that. And they gave him a nickname. They called him Jerob Baal, which means, so that was the new name they gave him. We're just going to rename you. And they named him Jerob Baal, so that was his common name for a while. And that meant basically may, may Baal deal with you or may Baal uh, contend with you. And Baal really is, is a synonym for Satan. So in other words, they were saying, may Satan contend with you. That's the new name that we're going to give you. How would you like to do that? You step out to do something great for God, and the people in town call you, may Satan contend, contend with you. That's their new name for him. Uh, which is true. Uh, sometimes when you begin to step out and you begin to occupy, there will be people in the culture that will make fun of you. People will say things about you and say things to you because what you're actually doing is you're taking territory for the Lord. We also learned that Gideon asked God for three different signs. He asked God to confirm this message that he was bringing him with three signs. One was to miraculously ignite a sacrifice, and he did. Another is God, he asked God to make a, a, a fleece have, be full of water the next morning. He did. Then the, the next day he said, okay, now do the opposite. Make the ground wet and the fleece dry. God did it. And, and we, we learned from that that it's okay. It is appropriate to ask God for signs. We talked about how to get confirmations from from you know what, what is God saying to us? We talked about how to get those confirmations through solid, mature people, and then um, then Gideon begins to put together his army. So he calls out the guys, and thirty-two thousand men show up, and still that's a little less than what the the armies of Midian have, and uh, and they're already forming. They're already coming together because it's about time to come in and steal the harvest again. So, uh, so he calls together these men, 32,000 show up, and God said, you know what, if we do this with 32,000 men, the, the men of Israel, the people of Israel are going to say, see what we did in our own strength, so I, I want the army to be scaled back. So Gideon sent home anybody who was a little bit scared, and so a bunch of people left, leaving him, actually 22,000 left, leaving him with an army of 10,000. Now they are definitely outnumbered. God looked at the army again, and God said, hey, Gideon, you still have too many men. And he, God said, okay, this time I'm going to choose the ones that are going to go. And so they did a little test, and, and 300 people passed the test. They didn't even know what they were testing for. Only God knew. God told Gideon at the last minute, okay, now here's how to separate them. And 300 men were the ones that were left. So you have 300 against potentially uh, thirty-five to 40,000 other people in these other armies. <laughs> uh, God reduced his assets by 
And we learned about that is that sometimes God will even intentionally allow your assets to to drop, but it's for the purpose of fortifying your faith so that when the miracle comes through, you'll know it was God and it was not you. Any of you ever been there before? I have. I have. Well, the Midianites and the Amalekites, they were coming in. You have to understand the conditions that were happening. They were stealing uh, they were stealing their food. I don't know if any of you have ever seen the movie Mr. Jones. Mr. Jones is a movie that came out a couple of years ago, and, uh, and it is about the Soviet occupation, the Soviet uh, uh, occupation of Ukraine and what they did to Ukraine. It's interesting that all this is happening again, but how, how, uh, how they, they did a forced famine. And it's, it's the only time in modern history there's been a forced famine on people. Uh, Ukraine is, is known as the breadbasket of Europe because crops just grow so readily there. It is a beautiful, lush countryside right in the middle of Europe. And uh, the Soviets, they, uh, you know, the, the Russian-controlled Soviets, they, they wanted that land. Of course, they, they, they took control of, the, of Ukraine at that time. And then what they did is under, under the Marxist government there, Marxism d- pl- does these kinds of things, Marxism says, well, we're going to come and take all what you have, and we're going to spread it out across all of the Soviet Union. So they did. That's what you call redistribution of wealth. So they came in, and they took their crops, exactly what was happening in the scriptures. They took their crops, they came in, and they, but they actually starved the people. And do you realize that somewhere between 6 and 9 million people starved to death in Ukraine in 1932-1933? That's about 90 years ago. So that was a, and in fact, the world didn't even really know about this until the Iron Curtain fell. They didn't really know the truth about this. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because in the Holocaust, some 11 million people died under Nazism. We all know about that. But how many people know about the 6 to 9 million that died in one little country? A quarter of the population were starved to death by Marxism just a few years earlier. In fact, Marxism... So, so that you understand, Marxism is a very, very evil religion. It's what it is. It's a religion of, of greed. It's a religion of materialism. And uh, it is to set up their, their thousand-year utopia, which is the parallel to the, uh, the millennium that, that God sets up for us. But this, this, this religion is very evil. In fact, over 100 million people have died at the hands of Marxism, uh, Marxism, communism, socialism, over the past 120 years, it is, it is devastating. It is, is horrible. And so now you understand, just kind of in the current events, now you understand why the people of Ukraine are fighting. They're saying, you're not coming back in. You see, because they've learned, they know their history. They know the history of being, uh, 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 of being under that kind of oppression where their, 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 their crops are being stolen and they're being starved to death. And so Ukraine is saying, no more, we're going to fight back. Do you guys understand that now? And so that's, that's, uh, that's just really incredible. In fact, I, I know we prayed over this earlier, and uh, some of you probably weren't able to be in here, but, but uh, man, we, we prayed for Ukraine a little bit earlier, and I want us to pray one more time. Uh, we need to pray for them, pray for all that's happening over there. there there's a strong, strong Christian movement there. Uh, I was over there a few years ago, and, uh, and it was one church that I was working with, but it was one particular church that had some uh, I don't know, 40-some campuses across Kiev, and those campuses all came together, and, and they, were, uh, they, they, were, they were worshiping God and having church services in the big sports arena there that was in downtown. And, and it was just, just an amazing, amazing uh, work of God that was happening right there through the embassy of the Holy Spirit. 
But I think it's right that we pray for Ukraine. Can we do that? Let's pray for them right now. God, we just lift up Ukraine to you. We lift up this wonderful nation as a, as a day begins to, to wrap up another day of, of assault from a foreign uh, army, very similar to what was happening here with, uh, with Gideon and with Israel and with the Midianites and the Amalekites. God, I, I pray for the church to be strong. I pray that you will give pastors wisdom and anointing to lead their congregations and, and to form prayer networks and for the enemy to be pushed back. And I pray, God, that you will confuse the enemy, just totally confuse these, these Russians that are coming in to, to, uh, to try to assault this land that has been hammered so hard by them 90 years ago. I pray that, 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 that you, God, will do, bring miraculous deliverance even through your angels and through your power in Jesus' name name. Amen. Yeah, Ukraine's a beautiful place. I was, I was at the uh, Cowtown Marathon this morning giving them their morning sermon. Uh, so, so, you know, you, you, that's all these people that are running through town. They all, they're all running really good because they got a good sermon this morning. I don't know if the sermon was good or not. But I was telling them, one of the funny things that happened to me when I was there is I would get up early in the morning. We, uh, the, the hotel we stayed in was actually a boat. I don't know if you've ever stayed in a boat hotel, but it kind of rocks you to sleep at night, which is a little strange. It was a huge, it was a huge boat, but it, but this this boat was we would we would go to sleep in there. It was our hotel, and and then, but in the mornings I would you know I just I've, I've got to move. I can't I can't just like sit and stand still. And I knew I'd have to be in these meetings all day, right, Rebecca? I can't I I cannot sit still. God made me that way. My poor teachers. Oh, my word. Yeah, they, my poor teachers growing up. God help them. <laughs> they, they knew I had issues, and I still do. But you know, I just can't, I can't sit still. And so I would, have to get, I would get up every morning, and I would jog. There's this beautiful boardwalk that goes down the Dnieper uh, River. And I would, I would get up and jog down that river each morning. It was so beautiful, so wonderful. And, and uh and, and each morning I, I'd go, because you're in a foreign country, a foreign city, I don't really know, I don't speak their language, they don't speak mine, and, and I would go a little further each day, but there would be hardly anyone out, you just, I just wouldn't see anyone at the break of dawn. Like around here, you, like you, you get up in the morning and you're out on the trails or something like that, there's like people running or biking all the time, there was none of that. So I, was, I would just be jogging, and I kept seeing this, this really cool place that was down there a little, little further on. It was called Postava Square, and I've, I've seen it in the media now. I've, I've actually seen pictures of that. When I saw that, I went, oh, I've been there. But uh, Postava Square is a beautiful, beautiful area. There are shops that are lined part of it and just big open area. And I, I, one morning I thought, okay, I, I'm, I'm going to go all the way down there because I want to run there because it's just a little deeper into downtown. It's going to be fun. And, and, uh, and so I go around there, and so this is when people begin to notice me. And, and I noticed people were getting their shops st set up, and people would just kind of walk out and look at me. They would stop, literally stop what they were doing and look at me. And that's when I realized, okay, when I was running on the boardwalk, I never saw anyone, but maybe people don't do this here. It's an American cultural thing. It really is. Uh, like, ev everybody around the world doesn't just get out and run. Like, they're probably thinking, who's chasing you? Uh, and, and so, so I, I, I'm, I'm running through Postava Square, and, and, uh, and people start looking at me. And then I heard there are people people would do this. Like, uh, they're, they're clapping for me. That, that's, that's just weird. That's just weird. Get a little further. Then I, it all hits me what's going on. Like, these people don't know. And, and it was cold, you know, it was winter, and I had this hat on, and I had gloves on, and, and so this one guy goes, go Rocky, go Rocky, 
that's when I realized, okay, yeah, I am not Sylvester Stallone. I'm not Rocky. They figured out this much. I am an American, and, uh, and I'm doing things that is completely countercultural over there. I had a, fun, a little fun sharing that. I just had to share that story with you, too, since the, uh, the Cowtown Marathon people got. But, but they were cheering me on, and <laughs> it was the weirdest experience ever. That was actually the last morning I ran. God, I was too embarrassed after that. <laughs> All right, get your Bibles open. Look at Judges chapter 7, verse 9. Judges 7, 9. Okay, here we go. He's got his army of 300. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up. Oh, those are two words. Say it. Say, get up. Get up. There we go. Get up. Go down against the camp because I am going to give it into your hands. All right, right there. We're going to say, glory to God. Everything's good. Woo-woo. Gideon is full of faith now, right? Next verse. Now, if you're afraid to attack, now, why did God say that? Because he was scared. He was still scared. Wouldn't you be? I know, I know you guys are all, no, I'd be full of faith after all those signs from God. Oh, come on. <laughs> if you're afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they are saying. So it's night, okay, middle of the night. He says, afterward, you will be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outposts of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites, and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley thick as locusts. You getting the picture? Here and here are just two guys kind of sneaking up to the edge. Their camels could no more be counted than the sand of the seashore. Understand what you're against here. Gideon arrives just as a man was telling his friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling down into Midian, Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force, and the tent overturned and collapsed. Now, that sounds like my kind of dreams. You guys have weird dreams like that? That's, that's, that's definitely mine. But this dream was actually a dream that God had given him. Okay, look on. So the friend responded, so the friend gave the interpretation for the dream. He says, this can be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. <laughs> so we overheard these guys saying that. So when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and he worshipped. I, I love this. I love this. I mean, God, the, the, what I love there is God just told Gideon, get up, get up, get up. Because he was afraid to attack. But God gave him even more encouragement. God knows when you need encouragement. God knows. He's going to put little encouraging things out there for you all the time. Go down and listen to what they're saying. And so he's sneaking around. You know, I, I th this is the fourth time now God has to send him some specific encouragement. Can I, can I just remind you of something? God is not weary of you needing encouragement. God isn't getting tired with like, how many more times do I have to encourage Pam? How many more times do I have to encourage? It's just, God's saying, it's okay. Do you see God in here getting upset with this? Why do we always look at it that way? Oh, I bet you God is sick of me asking for help. I bet you God is sick of me asking for encouragement. God, no. No, no, God doesn't show that he's the least bit upset about that. In fact, he's the one who brought it up. He's the one who brought it up. Says, if you're scared, he's like, yeah, that, I sure am. See, I, I love it because God even gave a dream to this rebel person, you know, 
one of the rebels that's going to go in and, and, and devour the land, God gave him a dream and gave his friend an interpretation, and both were miraculous from God. See, God will even use wicked people and put thoughts in their mind. You don't know what God is doing out there ahead of you. You don't know how God is already clearing the way for you. And just trust. I tell you what, there's so much favor of God that you're walking in, you don't even see and know what God is doing ahead of you. And that's part of the the blessing of being children of God. But I love how Gideon responds. Once again, just like he did before. Now, this is the fourth time God had to reassure him. Here, this fourth time, what does Gideon do? Yet again, Gideon worshipped. And that is key. Regarding your battle and your setback and how the enemy has tried to come in and ravage your life or your home or your business or your body, I want to declare to you, just like what happened there with Gideon, do not be afraid. God's got this. Do not be afraid. God's got this. You just need to worship. You need to worship. You need to worship. I tell you what, it was pretty nice, pretty awesome this morning to go over there to the Will Rogers Convention Center and lift up a shout of praise and worship. And our, the band, they're, they're playing worship. It is 545 in the stinking morning. Y'all weren't even thinking about getting out, out of bed. But these guys had gotten up at 3 a.m. and got themselves ready and got their instrument and their voices ready. Went down there and set themselves up and warmed up, giving praises to God in the middle of this place as, as all these runners were coming in. And it was, it was pretty awesome. And it just it, there we were just worshiping God in the middle of that, the worship and the preaching. And, 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 and I love it. I mean, some people, like a lot of people, they, they dove right in and they participated a lot of people just watched. They spectated. And there were some that were mocking. I saw some people mocking it and whatever. It's like, <laughs> you can mock all you want, but I'll tell you what, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. So I'm not going to call you out, but that's God's job. But we're going to have church. And so we did. Did we haul off and have church this morning, guys? We did. We hauled off and had church. And I loved it. I loved it. Jesus was glorified. Jesus was worshipped. We declared the glory of God over our city. And it was all winsome and, 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 and kind and loving. But yeah, I had fun because one of the, I prayed. I prayed this prayer. I said, God, I pray that today will be the most boring day. And people started getting tense because I was praying for a boring day. Boring day for first responders. The the, the people who have to deal with injuries and all that kind of stuff, they're going to be totally bored today because you're going to go with these people. The the runners go, okay, we can can handle that. We we like that. But you know what? You need to start worshiping God and doing the same over your home. You need to, so you, you have so much drama in your home, you need to start praying, God, let today be the most boring day in my home and start worshiping God. Do you get this? See, worship is a key to spiritual breakthrough. I'll say it again. Worship is a key to spiritual breakthrough. I want you to look at Psalm 3. I asked you to pull that up earlier. This is when David was surrounded by his enemies. It's no fun being surrounded by enemies. Some of you, you're just surrounded. It may not even be by human enemies. It's just like everything that keeps popping up. It just keeps popping up. It's your enemies. You're surrounded. Worship is the key. David penned this. He wrote a worship song when he was surrounded. I like Psalm 3. Psalm 3 gets, the further you get into it, it just gets a little rugged and gutsy, and I I like it, all right? Psalm 3, Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. In other words, you know, people might be saying about you, 
There's no way God can even help that person. They're so messed up. But you, oh Lord, come on, this is what you need to declare in your homes. Declare this in your businesses. Declare this over your life. You, oh Lord, are a shield around me. My glory. That's the weightiness. That's the brightness of God. The one who lifts my head high. The one who takes my head and pulls it up. I'm going to pause there for just a second. One of the things I remembered so clearly about, about Kiev, Ukraine, when I was there, is the older population, the people who had lived through communism, who had lived through the, the oppression of Marxism, when they would walk on the streets, and, that, and, and they would, it was basically people, I would say, 45 and above. They, they, would, they just walked with their heads down. They wore drab clothing. They walked with their heads down. They didn't greet. They didn't smile. It's because they'd been under that oppression for so long. Their heads were always down. Those who had been freed, and especially when you get into these Christian uh, events and those, the, uh, the, the, the churches that were meeting together, I never saw anyone walking with their heads down. Their heads were always lifted up. They don't have to walk in fear. They don't have to walk in shame. They don't have to be afraid of anything. They li- and God is the one who wants to lift some of your heads up right now. Yes. I call out to the Lord. Look at this. And he answers me from his holy mountain. Declare this over your homes, over your families, over your bodies, over your businesses. I lie down and sleep, and I wake again because the Lord sustains me. In other words, he's saying, nobody even killed me last night, thank God. I will not fear, though ten thousands assail me on every side. And he just gets more bold. He said, arise, Lord, deliver me, my God. This is good. Some of you need to start praying this prayer. Strike all my enemies on the jaw and break the teeth of the wicked. I'm not saying for you to pray that God will break the teeth of somebody else. But when, you, when, it, when I'm talking, I'm talking about spiritual forces of darkness. Because our warfare is not against people. It's against spiritual forces of hell. Some of you need to start praying prayers like that and worshiping God and saying, God, I pray that you will strike the teeth of every wicked force of hell that's coming against me and break their jaws while you're at it. Look, from the Lord... From the Lord comes deliverance. That's it. So you can't do it. If you try to do this on your own, you are going to wear yourself out. Too many Christians are run down and wore out because they're just fighting on their own in their own strength. And you need to drop it and go to sleep like David did. And just pray, may your blessing be upon your people. I tell you, when it comes to worship, I've been in a lot of worship atmospheres throughout my years. Some, you know, very intimate, like what we're going to create here at, in his presence, you know, because worship is an underutilized weapon. And, and like, that's why March 20th, you need to come out here and just soak in the presence of God because you're going to be armed with weaponry and you're going to f- be able to fight some battles. But I, I remember being at, uh, at this huge gathering, this huge sports stadium, thousands and thousands of believers. I have never seen people worshiping God with more enthusiasm than those people. I, I really haven't. You have to understand, these are people that have been freed from Marxism. These are people who have been freed. There's a revival in the land. They were giving their lives to Christ. God was restoring them. In fact, they would get up and tell stories about their businesses. And, and they, would, they would talk about how God is prospering their business. They just, discovered, uh, uh, they just discovered capitalism, that they could earn money and make food, and they could have food for their family. And they, could, they were beginning to own homes. And they, like, thank you, God. So they began to, they were praising God for all of these things. It's interesting because a lot of American churches, even today, because there's so many, uh, even Christians are against capitalism. It's kind of interesting. I don't, I don't get that because it's biblical. But whatever. But anyway, it, it, is, it is interesting because 
um, because these people were constantly testifying of God and how they discovered how God can bless them actually by doing business. So they were learning about that, and there were people teaching them about that, and they were just enthralled by that. And it just gave me so much, like, wow, this is so wonderful, these thriving people. And, and they, they would just sing and worship for hours and hours, and I would get tired. and like, man, these guys are wearing me, stinking out. We don't do this in America. We do 20 minutes, and then we're saying, my feet are hurting, you know. And, 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 they, were just, they, and they would just worship the Lord like this. This went on for days. Incredible, incredible. But I tell you what, worship silences the enemy. Worship silences the enemy. Judges, chapter 7, verse 15. Come on, let's keep reading. It says, when Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and he worshiped, and he returned to the camp of Israel, and he called out, Get up! Come on, say it now. Get up! The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Now, keep in mind, don't, I want you to make the connection here. God originally told Gideon, get up. And now Gideon, now that he's fired up, Gideon goes back to the army and he says, get up. All right? Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars into the hands of all of them with torches inside. Keep in mind, he just woke them up in the middle of the night. He just woke them up. I don't know whether it was midnight or 1 a.m. or 2 a.m. He woke them all up in the middle of the night. Get up. We're going to do this. So he divided them into three companies, and he gave them empty jars and torches, and he just said this. Watch me. Watch me, he told them. Follow my lead. Key words there. When I get to the edge of the camp, do exactly as I do. And then he said, when I and all who are with me blow our trumpets, then, all from around, then, then from all around the camp, blow yours and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. And so they, they broke their little lamps and, and shined their lights and screamed for the Lord and for Gideon. That's how they, they did it. They didn't, it was just a, a plan just like, here's, here's what we're going to do. We're just going to do this. I was reading this, and I, the first thing that caught me, I was like, well, why did he say for the Lord and for, why did they say, have to say for the Lord and for Gideon? Because like, I'm a Christian. Can't we just say for the Lord? It's more spiritual that way, right? Yeah. Well, I, I get to thinking about this and praying about it. I was like, you know what? Interestingly enough, the people were afraid of Gideon and the Lord. Because if you go back to the dream, the interpretation of the dream, they said, oh, no, this is Gideon and God. Oh, no, if Gideon and God come against us, this is going to be devastating. So Gideon, under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, used some psychology on the bad guys and said, and, and so they all shouted together. They shouted together for the Lord and for Gideon. <laughs> I love it. Lord was first. But see, that's just another thing right there. God is going to give you strategies and ideas, and God will give you an idea that can psych others out, psych the enemy out. Figure that out on your own, all right? But I, I love it because Gideon, God told Gideon earlier, get up. And then here in this, this little part of the passage, Gideon now tells the army, get up. Get up is the key words that we see here. And then he says, he says, watch me, follow my lead. Get up, watch me, follow my lead. Get up, watch me. Follow my lead. And part of that is I look at this, because part of this I think, I, I really want all of us to be Gideons. I want all of us to be Gideons. But a lot of times people say, well, I'm not, a, I'm just shy. I'm going to stand back in the corners. And you might be shy. That's fine. A lot of people are. I'm not. But, but a lot of people are. But, but we're all called to take others to victory with us. And it could be your family. It could be, it, I, it could be your grandkids. 
I don't know, but get up, watch me, follow my lead. You need to take other people to victory with you. See, what he did is he got up and he led them. I I, want to challenge you, quit trying to win the victory on your own. Get some other people in the battle with you. Find some people to do battle with you. In God's kingdom, whatever battle you're facing, please understand, you should not be facing it alone. You need people standing with you. There should be no lone rangers in God's kingdom. You, you need other people. And, and that's also where discipleship comes in because we're supposed to be influencing others, discipling others, get some people on board with you for your miracles. Like, well, they may not have as strong of beliefs as I do. Well, come on, lead them along. Just tell them, get up, follow me, take my lead here. And, and, and God will do that. In fact, that's what happened in, in Mark chapter 11, verse 17 when God called Peter to follow him. He just said, come, follow me. I mean, in other words, get up, follow me. I'm going to send you out and you're going to go fishing for people. And, and what did he do? Like, no, okay. He walked off the job. He, that was his family business, okay? It wasn't like he was punching a time clock or anything like that. That was his business, his family business. And, and so, like, got up, walked off the job, and boom. In fact, there's 20 times in the New Testament, 20 different times, Jesus says, follow me, follow me, follow me. What Jesus did, then he also said, whatever I have done, I want you to do also. So we're supposed to be, one way or another, having people follow us. I know you may not feel like a leader. and You may not look like a leader. You may not act like a leader. But there are people that God has called you to have come alongside you. That's actually called discipleship. That's why we do cultural streets, is to bring victory. This week, it's about bringing victory into, uh, into, into education. Those of you who are uh, educators and homeschoolers, people interested in PTA or professors or school board people or students, teachers, Tuesday night at 7 p.m., we're going to be talking strategies. You're going to get to some, with some other people. You might feel all alone fighting the enemy out in the, edu- in the education world. Like, I'm all alone in this. Ah, I don't know of any. And get, get with some other education people. Let's start talking. Let's start praying. Let's start seeing what God can stir up. You with me? See, that's what the church is to do, and that's what we're doing. Jesus said, go make disciples, because here at this church, you are encouraged, and you are equipped, and you are strengthened here, and then when we're through cultural streets, you're mobilized to go out into the community and to, and to make a difference. That's when the Occupy spirit takes over you, all right? Let's get back into the passage now. Judges, chapter 7, verse 19. Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the camp at the beginning of the middle watch, just after they had changed the guard. They blew the trumpets, and they broke the jars that were in their hands. The three companies blew the trumpets and smashed the jars. I like it. They didn't just break them. They smashed them. Grasping the torches in their left hands, so it created this, a sound. And, you know, the torches were hidden in the jars, and so there's sound, and there's light, and they're screaming, and they're, they're panicking. It's night. And grasping the torches in their left hands and holding in their right hands the trumpets they were to blow, they shouted, a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. And while each man held his position around the camp, they didn't move, all the Midianites ran. And what were they doing? They were crying. (laughs) It's over for us. It's over. Don't you want to see the enemy crying as it pleased? Yeah, I bet they were crying like that. I think a lot of them were. It says, when the 300 trumpets sounded, the Lord caused the men throughout the camp to turn on each other with their swords. They started killing each other. That's part of what the end, you know, even in Satan's kingdom, the enemy will start fighting the enemy. The enemy will just start fighting the enemy. 
The army fled to Beth Shittai, toward Zerah, as far as the border of Abel Mahola near Tabath. You know exactly where that is, so I'm going to keep moving along. The Israelites from Naphtali, Asher, and all Manasseh were called out and they pursued the Midianites. Gideon sent messengers throughout the hill country of Ephraim saying, Come down against the Midianites and seize the waters of the Jordan ahead of them as far as Beth Barah. They knew where all these places were. But watch this. So all the men of Ephraim were called out and they seized the waters of the Jordan as far as Beth Barah. So they brought some other people in with them at this point. You see, they're chasing them. Now, this isn't, follow me, this is really interesting. Most people are going to read through these next couple verses and never look back on them. Because that's what I've done for years until I started studying the passage. Why did God put this in here? Why is this important? Everything is important that's in the scriptures. Look. They also captured two of the Midianite leaders, Oreb and Zaeb. They killed Oreb at the Rock of Oreb, so they even named a place after him, and Zaeb at the winepress of Zaeb. They pursued the Midianites and brought the heads of Oreb and Zaeb to Gideon, who was by the Jordan. And that's what they did in those days, which basically proves, you know, the enemy is conquered. We even got the, the leaders here and, and, and it's destroyed. And, and I, as I was doing this, I, I paused and had a little chat with God. I was like, God, these are weird names. Why are they in here? Could you not have just left those verses out? And I honestly, I felt an impression of the Holy Spirit. Just check what those names mean. You see, understand this. The Old Testament, it's types and shadows for the way we live our lives in the New Testament. Their names, these are, these are proper nouns. Every name has a meaning. So when people would say the names in those cultures, they would think of the meaning. I mean, it meant something. I know my name means honor, honoring God, but every time you hear Tim, you don't think, oh, there's honoring God. No, you don't, because that's not our culture. But in that time, they did. They heard the name, and it had the meaning behind it. That's, see, that's why they renamed Gideon Jeroboam. So every time they would call him out, hey, Jeroboam, <laughs> Satan is contending with you, you loser. See, that's what they tried assigning to. So they would change a name to assign an identity. Now, this is interesting because Oreb and Zaeb, they have very unique names. These are names of two different beasts that were leading thousands of people against the people of, against the people of God. Oreb, first of all, his name means raven. So I begin to discuss a raven. Ravens are known for this. And this is actually, it would be the brown-necked raven. Uh, which is a unique raven to the, uh, the Middle East. They are known for this, treachery, unkindness, and conspiracy. Literally those three words. Treachery, unkindness, conspiracy. They are also known to steal grain, dates, and fruits from human supplies. One of the few beasts that would actually do that would steal from people. And that's exactly what this guy was doing. Going in, using treachery, unkindness, and conspiracy, and stealing the food and taking it out. His name was his identity. <sighs> you know what? Some of you need to start declaring war against the ravens that are attacking you. Treachery, unkindness, conspiracy, theft of your resources. In two places I found this, Zechariah chapter 2, as well as Isaiah chapter 34. Ravens make their homes in places of destruction and desolation. That's where they like to go, and that's what they like to cause. I'm telling you, it's time for, for you to begin to address those ravens or raven that, that, that have been desolating. And 
that have been bringing destruction. They've been unkind to you. Conspiracy, theft, treachery. They need to be defeated. Now, keeping that in mind, understand, I'm not talking about the people themselves. I'm talking about the spirit behind people. And, it's, and sometimes people aren't even involved. It's just demonic activity. But it's time you begin addressing it. Za'eb. <laughs> Interestingly enough, that. Okay, that one was interesting. I finished my study. I went to the next one. I thought, I, honestly, I thought, okay, this one's going to be a boring. It means light of the morning, star of the flower. You know, I was just thinking, oh, it's going to be. No, his name means wolf. His name meant wolf. And the scriptures speak of wolves all the time as, as false prophets. They hunt the innocent in packs. And, and the type of wolf that's over there in the Middle East is the same kind that's here. It's the gray wolf. And, and basically, it's, pe it's, it's a spirit that works through people. Again, you're dealing with the spirit. But it's people that, that, that try to convince you of lies, trying to act like they have authority, like they, they've got it together. They know what's going on. And they're going to fill your head full of lies to get you off track and to separate you from the body of Christ. John chapter 10, as well as Acts chapter 20, is clear that wolves snatch and they scatter God's flock. So they want to come and scatter you and pull you away and bring whatever, even to depression, to keep you away from God's people. Offense, to keep you away from God's people. To cause, to cause a wedge to be driven into a relationship. It's like, well, I'm just going to separate myself because that. See, that's the action of a wolf. And, and it works even through godly people. The scriptures say that wolves come in sheep's clothing. So sometimes there can even be people that appear to be godly, but they're actually, when you find that, when you really start looking, what are they doing? They're separating me. They're pulling me away. That's a spirit of darkness working through them, and you just got to address that. And so what did, what did Jesus say? Well, let's look at it. He said in Matthew 10, he says, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, how's our attitude to be? Be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Shrewd and innocent. Church, I'm calling you to be shrewd and innocent. This is how to disarm that wolf spirit. Be shrewd, but be innocent. Keep your heart pure. Don't get in, don't, don't dig into any of the, the junk that's going to taint your heart. And be shrewd. Be smart. Be wise. Get wisdom from others. Because your victory is around the corner. You need to get up. I'm saying get up. Get up. You need to get up. You need to rout the ravens and you need to rout the wolves who have been bringing you down. Get up, church. You've, if, you've, if you've been robbed in areas of your life, it's time to get up and rout those ravens and those wolves. They've been bringing you down, but your victory is right around the corner. So I challenge you to this. Get up. Occupy. Because your victory is ahead. Your victory is ahead. I don't want to pray for that victory right now. Would you just receive this prayer? God, I pray for a spirit of victory to come over us that you will dispel fear, you'll give us the strength and the courage to resist fear, and that we will, even in the middle of the darkest night, the darkest time, we will get up, we'll listen to you, we'll get up, we'll get up, we'll get up, and we will, we will make a change, and, and we will begin to declare life, we'll begin to worship you, and we'll begin to take others with us, and we're not going to go down, we're not going to go down without a fight, in fact, we're not going to go down. And I thank you, God, that you are the God who makes anything possible. You are the God who makes everything possible. And we, re we receive that for our lives and our families and our homes. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. While your heads are bowed, while you're in an attitude of prayer, I want to ask you this question. If you're here this morning and you are not in relationship with Jesus Christ, you've not given your life to him, I want to give you an opportunity to respond to me before we leave this room. And if you're watching online and that's you, I want to give you the opportunity to respond even to one of the people. We have people who are monitoring all of our three different feeds that are out there. I want you to let them know I'm 
I want to pray this prayer with the pastor. But if you're in here, what I'm going to ask you to do is at the count of three, lift your hand for me. Because I want to see you. I want to connect my faith with you. Because your victory begins when Jesus Christ comes into your life. Your victory begins when your sins are washed away and the Holy Spirit begins to overwhelm you. Your victory begins that way. It's just like what I saw over in Kiev, Ukraine. The victorious church, they had their heads high. They had smiles on their faces. They were different. They were different. They were different. And God wants to do that for you too. God wants to do that. And if that's you, you know you need Jesus today. You're ready to make a, a part from your old life. Lift your hands to the count of three. One, two, three. Lift it up. Lift it up for me. Thank you. Who else? Thank you. And if you're online, let the moderators know you want to pray this prayer. And we're going to pray it right now. Church, I want you to pray this prayer. Anyone who's in this room who wants to pray this prayer with me, you pray it from the bottom of your heart. Congregation, I want you to pray it with those who lifted their hands in this room as well. Come on, pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Today I make the choice to give up the past and to embrace the future that you have for me. I pray for you to overwhelm me with your life and with your love. And give me faith to believe that anything is possible. That anything is possible in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for tuning in to the City Life Podcast. If you're interested in attending our Sunday service or would like more information, go to citylifefw.org.